If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody, welcome to Football Full Circle, talking about college football this hour and a couple of things around the world of football in general. Joined this hour by Rich Sirmanello, and uh, as always, my trusty uh, cohort, George Kurtz. Rich, what's going on, buddy? Doing good, Mike. I'm glad we're talking about football and uh, hopefully getting a little closer to live action in the fall. Yeah, I, I think for George and I talking about this over the last couple of months during the quarantine that we're in, you being in New Jersey, us being in New York, it's been pretty intense. And a few weeks ago, we didn't really think college football, we thought college football was going to be the sport that was going to have the most difficult time starting on time. But to your point, it's good that schools are talking about start dates. They've moved up start dates on certain campuses to try to get out before Thanksgiving. So that seems to be the one solution that many schools are jumping on board with, yes? Yeah, listen, I think it's a smart idea. I think Notre Dame was the first uh, school that really began to institute that. I think they're beginning classes uh, early in August, maybe around August the 10th. You get out just after Thanksgiving. So kids are, in theory, not going back home during that Thanksgiving break, potentially you know, being in a population with parents, grandparents, and then, uh, you know, spreading the disease to family members. So keep them on campus in that sort of insulated environment from August until Thanksgiving, and then have the break at that point. Um, Listen, this is going to be wild. I think in the next four to six weeks, we should learn a lot more. A lot of universities now accepting athletes on campus uh, June 1st, June 15th, throughout the month of June, you'll see kids training on those campuses. And, you know, I, I think this is the right approach. I think we need to learn at this point, is this something that we can gradually phase in and institute uh, and prepare for games in September? Or are there going to be pitfalls that uh, we're unaware of right now that are going to pop up? Yeah, and uh, that leads right into a topic that I wanted to focus on for the, uh, this segment, and that is related to Patrick Peterson. Now, to let the audience know, I'm talking to two gentlemen in George and Rich, whose wives are nurses. My mom was a nurse for 45 years. So I think in a significant parts of our lives, we've been exposed to medical personnel. And one player in the NFL has a dual concern here, George, and that's Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes in 2014. So he's given a lot of thought and genuine concern to potentially going back and exposing himself with an underlying health condition. Additionally, his wife is in residency uh, as she completes her journey to becoming a doctor, and 
she has obviously been armed with a lot of information in order to try to keep their family safe. And George, I'll throw it to you first because you've really been, you and I have talked about this quite a bit in terms of being able to feel safe, make sure everybody's safe returning to the playing field and be mindful of the fact that some players are going to have actual health concerns like Peterson does. Yeah, I think my worry about the college is uh, who's, who's talking for the players? You know, and who's, uh, what's, we're talking about kids here, 18 to 22-year-olds mainly, and these guys already think they're invincible, right? So, but who's telling them to be smart about it if they do have some kind of, a, kind of underlying condition? And Patrick Peterson's got an agent, right? He's got a whole army of people telling him whether he should or shouldn't. But these kids, theoretically, may only have their parents, a trusted uncle, friends of family, whatever it is. Technically, they're not supposed to have agents or anybody talking to them like that. So that's what I, what I worry about there. Who's giving them advice? Listen, you really shouldn't play. I mean, uh, there's a, a, I'm not saying a good chance, but a better chance you might get it. You know, especially if you have a, any kind of family member in a, the medical institution. My, I said my wife is a nurse. She's not in a COVID unit, but she has dealt with COVID patients. She's in a hospital. So there's a better chance she could bring something home. And we've known this from the beginning, you know, that there's a chance she can bring something home. When my wife comes home, she changes in the garage. She's not bring her clothes to the house. She changes in the garage, and then she'll come take a shower right away before she deals with any of us to, once again, lessen the impact. She'll wash her clothes away from anything else, once again, to lessen the impact here. So that's just what I wonder with these players. Who's giving them the advice, telling them that, hey, you know, you might have this. Maybe it's not diabetes. It could be something else. There's a couple of baseball players that have had kidneys removed. So they are technically have some issues. It could be anywhere of a million medical issues. Who's telling these kids, giving them the advice that, you know what? It's too dangerous. You really should think about not playing. So, Rich, that was what was so interesting. I saw you nodding during what George was yeah, talking about. So perhaps much. perhaps your wife is, is doing some similar, um, similar exact things. Exact same too. situation, Mike. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, my wife, Tara, does the same exact thing. Uh, not necessarily getting dressed in the garage, but we have a room in the back of the house, which is uh, sequestered uh, from everything else just so happens. So she'll take her scrubs off, shower in the back, uh, put those... Uh, clean clothes on, go right to the basement, take her scrubs and, and put them in the washing machine. So, you know, that's the level of sensitivity that we're dealing with. I think George brings up a great point, which is, you know, that feeling of invincibility in general for an 18 to 22 year old, but especially this level of an athlete. I uh, had an opportunity to, to sit on a Zoom call with a couple of uh, Pitts defensive stars, kids we'll see in the NFL uh, probably as early as next year, and Patrick Jones and Jalen Twyman along that defensive line. And, you know, you talk to those kids, and I don't blame them at all. It's not knocking the young men at all, but you talk to them, and they're like, boom, we're ready to go. We're not afraid of anything. Put me yeah. on the field right now. That's the mentality. And listen, if they're in their own little world on campus, not involved with anyone else, then, okay, maybe that's something that we can handle. We could take temperatures. We could take COVID tests. But we all know what's going to happen. I mean, if you saw the video uh, of the Ozarks about a week ago, right? Viral video. Yeah, like uh, the Ozarks. People yeah. in, in a pool uh, having a blast. I I'm going to break it to the audience right now. That's going to look like just about every campus in America about 15 minutes after kids get on campus. I mean, that is campus life. You've had people that have been lo you know, basically locked up over the past couple of months. Once we get to, to, to that campus environment, you're gonna have the mingling of students and athletes. And then the other thing to keep in mind too is you have administrators. These are not just young people. You have uh, teachers, you have administrators, older people. Um, so there's a lot to think about here. The one thing I wanna pose real quick before we move on is, uh, I, I think we're gonna have football. I think it might, if it doesn't start on time, it might start close to on time. And I think surprisingly, Mike, you said we weren't sure about college football. I think we might even have some degree of fans in the stands, this is what I'd like to ask commissioners right now. What is the plan when someone inevitably gets diagnosed with the coronavirus, whether it's a player, whether it's a trainer, uh, it's an assistant coach, you have older coaches like the Mac Browns uh, at North Carolina. What is the plan at that point? Do we shut it all down? Is that team now you know, off the next week? There are a lot of unknowns right now as we sit here uh, almost in early June. I totally agree. George has talked about this uh, nearly every time the topic comes up. George has said, you know, what if we talked about it in pro typically, but what if Deshaun Watson gets the coronavirus? Is it just tough luck and we, we roll with the backups from here on out? Are the Texans out of the mix? How many Texans get 
quarantined. We don't really know. So I, I think there's a rush to get to the starting line right now. And to some extent, if something like that does happen, Rich, I'm of the opinion that they're going to figure it out as it goes. And they're willing to have egg on their face or worse if something bad does happen. George, you feel differently? Oh, no. I, I think they can't close it or stop the sport for one. It's not really like, oh, what happened in the NBA, go to got it, and all of a sudden, that was it. NBA's done, the NHL followed, MLB, everybody's done. Not the one. There's going to have to be some kind of outbreak, I would believe. Because, listen, if one person gets it, you know, Rich Sermonelli, he's playing college football, he gets it. He could have gotten it from the grocery store, from his house, the bank, who the hell knows? You know, but if you have 10 guys on a team, that's a problem. And what's it, is college going to treat it differently than the NFL? You know, I think the NFL, it just might be tough. Deal with it. You've seen baseball, what, they want to give you a 30-man roster, which is five more than normal, with a 50-man taxi squad. So what they're saying is, you get 10 guys. I don't give you a whole starting rotation goes out. Too bad. Use one of the other 30 guys you got on the roster. Deal with it. I wonder, I think college, they have a big enough roster to do this as well. It could change things, obviously. If a top team loses three, four top players, they're not a top team anymore. But yeah. I think that's what they're going to have to do. You can't shut everything down. There's no point in starting this up again if you're going to shut it down for one positive test. Yeah. That was and I think the Patrick Peterson thing really struck me because it's twofold, right? He's a diabetic, so he's dealing with health conditions. He's also got a wife who's a doctor, and he said a couple of quotes from him. If I feel like that's the safest thing possible for us to be able to come back to work, I'm all in, Peterson said via Josh Weinfuss of ESPN.com. But if it's not, obviously I have to make, not I, we all have to make a very, very smart decision because you don't have the opportunity of bringing that back home. He also says about his wife. The advice that she's given us as a household is definitely social distance by far number one. And just making sure that all surfaces you touch are going to be around, is clean, making sure that you wash your hands as much as possible, et cetera, et cetera. But to what George was saying earlier, Rich, he has a direct pipeline with a medical professional in his home. Other 22-year-old rookies that think they're invincible and are six months out of college aren't really thinking that way. So they're going to be getting perhaps fed different advice. I would hope all teams, college and pro, will have to have significant amounts and regular uh, briefings on what to do. And, and it's in their best interest. Uh, you know, in, in order to, to get this off the ground, and, and, in, and I'm thinking more in terms of college, to get to a bowl season, to get to a college football playoff, if you want this to happen, and sometimes it's hard to motivate people. We've seen this over the past couple of months, you know, motivate people to wear masks, motivate people to practice social distancing. Well, you know what? I'm, I don't think I'm going to get it. There's nothing in it for me. But now if you're an athlete, there's a heck of a lot that is in it for you if you want to go through this season. And, you know, now is a time that they're going to, to have to do the right thing, not just for them, for them, for themselves and their teammates, but for their entire campus and community. And I think it's going to be fascinating. I'll take it one step further. Um, we've seen what the financial impact could be to these colleges. This is serious. We've already lost March Madness. That was a financial hit for a lot of campuses. Now we're looking at college football. If there's money lost in the fall, the impact that is going to take place for non-football, non-basketball type programs could be a death knell for a lot of these uh, small athletic programs. So this is a really crunch time moment for reasons beyond just fans and for what we do for a living. Yeah, there's no doubt. We've seen baseball and soccer programs getting cut. Uh, I believe it was Brown uh, University and Ivy League school cut nine sports uh, earlier this week. So uh, we are dealing with it. I think some schools are using this time to evaluate to see what makes sense. But clearly, the lack of revenue coming in, George, is impacting these colleges and will impact pro teams to a lesser extent in football, obviously. But it doesn't mean it doesn't have an impact to the staffs and their employees. Oh, I think Rich is 100% correct. I think the fact that they, we already lost March Madness, right? So these schools already got crushed. I think it's also pushing it. Uh, why they want to make sure they're going to play. They're, they're going to start. I don't know if they'll finish. I don't know what's going to happen. Especially up north, if the virus hits again, they have outbreaks there. But they're going to start because they can't afford to lose this again. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Uh, good topic. We're going to come back with Rich and George. We're going to discuss rising star quarterbacks in college football in 2020. So we'll be back on the grid right after this on FFC. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on FFC, Mike George and Rich talking about college football here. And the thing we wanted to focus on as we make our way towards the season, which is now three months away, is the top QBs. Uh, Obviously, Rich, we had uh, some star QBs leave, as we do every year. Joe Burrow, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, Justin Herbert, the three big names in the first round of the NFL draft. But uh, as is always the case, we're going to have some guys replace them and become the next round of top QBs, not named Trevor Lawrence, because everybody knows who he is. He's the presumed uh, number one overall pick, although I've heard some things recently that I'll ask you about during this segment. But I wanted to tackle a few names that maybe are not part or part of the college football lexicon, but in some instances, we haven't seen much of them. And we'll start it off with Spencer Rattler uh, out of Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley has obviously been on an incredible run with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts back-to-back-to-back, producing first-round, second-round picks and Heisman Trophy winners and all of that. Spencer Rattler going to be the next link in this chain, and can he live up to the hype from the previous three guys? You know, there's a lot to like about Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, any quarterbacks that play within that system. What fascinates me – not not so much just about Spencer Rattler, but just about this situation right now. The last three quarterbacks you just mentioned, Mike, they all began their careers on a different campus. So Lincoln Riley had those kids for, you know, a year, two years. Baker, it was a little bit longer than that, but didn't actually recruit these kids onto the Oklahoma campus. Now, in the case of Spencer Rattler, kid from Arizona, Uh, Some folks in the audience maybe saw him on the Netflix special QB1. He was profiled a couple of years ago. Reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel, both in terms of 
how he carries himself, very cocky, a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger, plays with almost a sandlot type of mentality. You know, he'll do some things that are Mahomes-like, Johnny Manziel-like. I, I think he's more stable off the field than Johnny is. You certainly hope so. He is the favorite right now. One of the things I'd like to point out is, and I should have pointed this out in some of the writings that I've done earlier this year. Do not sleep on Tanner Mordecai because he is in the mix. I mean, Lincoln Riley is not giving this job necessarily to Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Tanner Mordecai went, went toe-to-toe with Jalen Hurts last fall, uh, last summer before uh, finally losing that uh, bid to be the number one quarterback. Came back working hard in the offseason. So that's going to be a fascinating matchup, probably the best quarterback battle uh, that we'll see this summer. Yeah, so what's interesting, too, is your comparisons to some of the other players. Look, B- Baker Mayfield's the type of guy that has plays with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's pretty arrogant um, at times. And that's not necessarily all negative. I think all good quarterbacks are going to have a little bit of that to them. Now, Baker has a chip on his shoulder for a different reason, though, right? He was under-recruited. He was going to be at Florida Atlantic and then just sort of walked into the situation and Lincoln made a star out of him. Rattler comes in with a real pedigree, right? Yes. So oh, yeah. he's arrogant for different reasons. He's been top of the hill for a long time. Yeah, and that's a great point. I mean, from a young age, you're talking about middle school that that folks were starting to realize that this kid had, uh, I certainly wouldn't say next level potential, way too early for that, but scholarship potential. Um, you know, he was big man on campus at his Arizona high school, carried himself that way. He better be careful, though, because, you know, I love the chip on the shoulder that Baker had. I mean, I've I've always liked it. We'll see what happens uh, in Cleveland. I'm kind of rooting for him. But I like what he brings to a huddle and a locker room and a campus. Rattler, if he doesn't deliver, has a level of cockiness that I think opposing defensive ends are going to want to knock him out. I mean, yeah. that's the kind of kid he is. So he's going to have to be careful. You're, you're right, Mike. You bring up an excellent point. Four-star, five-star type kid recruited by everybody now that Jalen Hurts is, is gone you better deliver but again remember the name Tanner Mordecai I think it's going to be a very close race and then if he does lose because Rattler is so young then we start getting back into the transfer discussions because Mordecai probably will be leaving Norman at that point yeah uh, it's a you know chip on his shoulder for a different reason and people are going to be looking to take Rattler down a peg that's for sure so let's yep. talk about somebody that we do know a little bit about uh, having played last year is Kyle Trask uh, out of Florida, uh, I think you know we they they dealt with a slight quarterback controversy there. Uh, Felipe Franks gets injured, Trask comes in, and he's never looked back. Um, I really like him from uh, from the limited amount that I've gotten to see him. But what's your thoughts on Trask and where he fits into maybe the overall picture? Can he get Florida back to the mountaintop in the SEC? How long has it been since Florida had a quarterback that that? campus that offense could rally around. I mean, last time Florida had a quarterback drafted was Tim Tebow. Yeah. Uh, so you got to go back almost a full decade, which is hard to fathom. You know, with you think about Steve Spurrier, you think about Urban Meyer, what they did in the swamp with quarterbacks, it's been almost a decade. Now, Trask isn't at that same level, but took over in September I never was a big fan of Felipe Franks. Felipe, by the way, now is at Arkansas and and looks to be the new starting quarterback uh, for his final season, hopefully for him uh, an NFL audition, but wildly inconsistent. He steps aside with the injury. Trask takes over 25 touchdown passes, seven interceptions over the course of September, 6'5", 239, physically looks a lot like Carson Wentz. The best thing about Trask, though, is his coach is Dan Mullen. I've been a big fan of Dan Mullen going back to the Florida days when he was an offensive coordinator. did a great job at Mississippi State. Terrific offensive mind. Now he has Kyle Trask. And I I think Trask really could use this final season as a launching pad to the uh, 2021 NFL draft. Yeah, good stuff uh, uh, there because that size is going to have people falling in love with him. And if he remains accurate in the way, in the numbers that you suggested, I I think he's certainly somebody that's going to be on the radar. So I'll jump around a little bit here. Uh, We had Lane Hatcher at Arkansas State, who's a guy that, as you uh, noted during the break, started his career at Alabama. He ends up here with the Red Wolves. It's maybe a little bit off of the radar from some of the higher profile conference players, but you feel like he's somebody that could be really impactful on the scale. And I'll get to somebody else that's a little bit off the radar, too, in terms of teams after this. But Lane Hatcher, tell me about him. 
Yeah, Mike, I'm glad you brought them up. I, you know, we talk oftentimes about Power Five conferences, you know, major programs, the Clemson's, Ohio State's, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. But Lane Hatcher, you mentioned it, began his career at Alabama. Not a very big kid, six foot, 210 pounds, but his first season in Jonesboro, freshman year, 27 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. It's another one of these playmaking, chip on the shoulder, going to prove the SEC wrong. So out of the Sun Belt, had a very exciting debut. And listen, if anyone in the audience is ever playing college fantasy football, I know it certainly doesn't even approach the level of NFL fantasy football. This is the kind of kid at Arkansas State after 27 touchdown passes last year in his debut, probably could approach 40 this year. Yeah, that's, I mean, that would be big numbers. And and he had me think, you had me thinking when we put uh, uh, Lane Hatcher on this list to discuss, it had me thinking about something I watched, frankly, earlier this, just earlier today uh, as we filmed this. And it was Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks talking about their quarterback prospects for the 2021 draft. And everybody's going to talk about Trevor Lawrence in the same way that they talked about Tua. And then two is not the first pick overall because Joe Burrow had a season to remember. Can Trey Lance from North Dakota State, the perennial champs in FCS, overtake Trevor Lawrence to potentially be their number one overall prospect? Do you think he's that kind of player? I don't think I would go to the level of Lawrence. I still think Lawrence is going to be number one. Uh, we got a long way to go, but... Um, how about Trey Lance versus Justin Fields? Because Fields is considered the de facto number two quarterback, maybe number two overall player. But I've watched a lot of film of Trey Lance since the draft. Be honest, I didn't watch a hell of a lot of them last year. But the buzz has been growing. So over the past month, the more you watch him, throws an extremely pretty ball, doesn't make mistakes, didn't have a pick all of last year. I think it was 28 touchdowns no interceptions, plays at a university, a school that wins championships. I think the one biggest knock is going to be needs to add some muscle, needs to add some pounds. And I think you're always going to look at a kid from the FCS, even though it is North Dakota State, which is sort of like an FBS school at this yeah, point. It's better, than, it's better than a lot of FBS programs, probably about that's 40 for sure. Schools. Yeah, I would say probably about 40 uh, yeah. FBS schools they're better than, but... The level of competition, I think that'll be the one thing that you're going to have a hard time holding him up against uh, Trevor Lawrence. But listen, I'm glad you brought him up. I'm going to say uh, top half of the first round next April. Yeah, I like it. Uh, so how about David Mills out of Stanford? His former teammate, KJ Costello, uh, has transferred out to Mississippi State. We'll talk about KJ Costello in the next uh, segment. But what about David Mills? Does he have the goods to get Stanford back? And uh, look, you, you love Shaw as the head coach. I think yep. he runs a really great program. They've obviously produced a ton of professional talent players at Stanford, really, over this last decade or so. Um, and will it continue here with David Mills? Is he that ilk of player? Yeah, you know, uh, I, listen, I'm, I'm a little biased here. I'm a huge David Shaw fan, I, I, not just as a coach, but as an individual. Uh, I've had great. A, a great guy, great guy, cares about education, cares about what these student-athletes are bringing to the community, whether it's Palo Alto or wherever it is when they go back home. I think, listen, if I had a son in that position, I'd want him to play for David Shaw. Yeah, but same, David, same. He's tremendous on TV, communicates oh. communicates beautifully, is a perfect ambassador of college football. There's no question about it, Mike. Couldn't agree more. But David has a lot to prove because the past couple of seasons, Stanford has lost its identity. Going back to whether it was Andrew Luck, whether it was Kevin Hogan, they were a power football team. I'll go back to Jim Harbaugh, same situation. They knew how to run the ball. Toby Gerhardt. Changed over the years. They just, yeah, Toby Gerhardt, those types of backs. They don't run the ball any longer, and that is impacting the passing game. So Mills, another four-star kid from the state of Georgia, played well in spurts last year. But of all the guys that I've looked at as potential rising stars, I think he has the most to prove because there were too many inconsistencies in his game last year. And Stanford is missing the type of playmakers, both in the backfield and at wide receiver. Tight end is never a problem. But wide receiver and running backs, that whole offense needs a lot of support. I'm not suggesting that David Shaw is on any hot seat, 
But I think he, with the with the help of Davis Mills, really needs a lot of help this year. NFL is lousy with Stanford tight ends in, in a good way. But uh, so uh, there's a group of other guys. I'll, I'll give you 30 seconds on one more guy. Uh, let's go Donald Hammond out of Air Force because it's a yeah. name I don't see very much. Tell me a little bit about him. Uh, this is what I'll say about Donald Hammond. You think about, obviously, triple option, and he's a triple option quarterback. Last year, 13 touchdowns on the ground, 13 through the air, 1,300 yards passing. I'm going to say best passing quarterback out of a triple option that I've seen in the last 10 years. That's the one big surprise. That's why I consider him to be a rising star. He's going to run the ball. He's going to operate the triple option and do a fantastic job with that, Mike. But he can also pitch it as well. So good stuff. Again, when we come back, we'll uh, we'll bring George Kurtz back into the mix. We'll talk about some top transfer portal QBs for 2020. We mentioned KJ Costello. There's obviously some other big names that have transferred recently that we'll talk about next right here on The Grid. It's FFC, Mike, Rich, and George coming right back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray, rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on FFC, uh, along with Rich Germanello, George Kurtz. Find us on Twitter at SportsGrid, on Instagram at SportsGridTV. Specifically, you can find Rich Germanello on Twitter at Rich Germanello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-E-L-L-O. Did I get it right? Did you I missed a button, but you know what? I I, don't <laughs> I, I, I rattled it off too quick. You spelled uh, it. Let's see for you. Right. Yeah, just, uh, you know what? Put into Twitter something like Michael Penix. I'm probably the guy <laughs> talking about people like that. I, I misspelled it. I can't believe it. I've done this a million times. And George Kurtz is at George Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. I'm at Mike Blewett. So let's uh, move on from my flub, and we'll get to the, the transfer portal QBs because, you know, 
for better or for worse, Rich, this is just part of life now in college athletics. It's it's a bigger problem in college basketball. We see about a third of the players transfer every year. But now, clearly, with so many guys trying to angle for playing time and a potential path to playing professional football, guys are pretty quick to transfer. A and B, the obvious graduate transfer rule has made it a little bit easier for guys to leave and play right away. We'll see that with uh, two of the top guys on this list. In fact, we'll start with one of them, Jamie Newman. Uh, played at Wake Forest for a few years, uh, graduate transfer rule. He steps right into a top program at Georgia. Do you think he's going to be able to live up to where Jake Fromm had this program the last couple of years? Yeah, th there are a lot of good options here. Just first off, I just I, I'd like your guys' opinion at the end of this too. I love the rule, and and I I like it for college sports. I like it for the athletes that they have that flexibility, and and it encourages kids. To go to classes, get your degree, and the you know the upshot of that is you get your degree, maximize that free uh, scholarship that you're getting on a campus, and and oh by the way you don't have to sit out a year if you want to transfer. I have no problem with it. I I know there's you know it's somewhat tumultuous at times, but the kids have the autonomy to go someplace, follow an assistant coach, follow the guy that recruited you, mm -hmm. uh, have an opportunity for playing time. So I think it's good for college athletics. Jamie Newman. You got to really applaud the kid because he was the starting quarterback at Wake Forest. It's not as if he had fallen behind Sam Hartman, wanted to get playing time. He was like, hey, I did a great job at Wake Forest. I believe he's a he's a next level, potentially first round quarterback, 6'4", 230, over 500 yards on the ground. And what did Jamie Newman say? I want a bigger challenge. I want to go to the SEC. I want to team up with Dominic Blaylock and George Pickens and be Kirby Smart's quarterback, that tells me a lot about the character of the kid. Physically, I haven't seen a quarterback like this at Georgia, someone who can force the offensive staff to open up the playbook since Quincy Carter at least. I mean, you think about uh -huh. the quarterbacks over the past 10, 15 years, 20 years maybe, every single one of them has been immobile. Now you have Newman who's got a big arm and the legs to go along with it. Aaron Murray's family is not going to be happy with you about his <laughs> Mobility. Probably couldn't run under a what, what was he like a five two forty hour. We had him. A, we had him in the XFL there for uh, a couple of weeks uh, a few months ago. That that was the best he was going to do. He was on the Tampa Bay uh, Bandits. But I digress. George, throw one at Rich. All right, Rich. Uh, we talked on a previous show with uh, Joe Lisi about De'Aaron King going from Houston to Miami. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think people forget. I, I'd like to know what Joe said. He's, I would think he's bullish on De'Ara King. He should be. Go back to 2018. Uh, De'Ara King, it, it's Houston. It's the American Athletic Conference. I understand. It's maybe not at the same level as the ACC. Kid accounted for 50 touchdowns and 36 of those through the air, 14 on the ground, well over 4,000 yards of total offense. Compare that to what we've seen at Miami in recent years, Miami has been an absolute mess at quarterback. We talked in the last segment about Florida and their troubles over the past decade. Miami has had the same ones. The Hurricanes are a quarterback away from being a legitimate threat, not to win the ACC because of Clemson, but to win the ACC Coastal. And, and I think De'Ara King could be that kid. Yeah, it's interesting to me. The the reason that D.R. King discussion when we were on with Joe Lisi earlier in the week was a head scratcher is because he's like third uh, best odds to win the Heisman. And look, I think he could be fantastic. And he might be the best quarterback Miami's seen in a decade. But I don't think Miami's going to be so good that he can win the Heisman. That was the only thing that threw me off about the odds. But obviously, it's a nice upgrade for them. And um People are always going to be a little itchy on D.R. King because of the way he did it, Rich. He yeah. played He played for a month at Houston. He's like, you know what? This isn't the way I want to finish it off, uh, my career, so I'm going to sit out. It seemed like he bailed on his teammates, but look, when kids are making decisions for their future, I'm not going to criticize him. If I'm advising him, I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have made the decision before the season started, yep. but obviously he felt differently as the season got underway. Yeah, I'm not hypercritical of kids at this stage. I am pro-student-athlete. Uh, I always have been. So I, even to the extent of 
listen, if you want to sit out a bowl game, I know it, listen, it pisses off a lot of people and a lot of fans, but if you want to sit out a bowl game because you think there's a chance you're going to get hurt or you want to get a head start on the pre-draft process, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. You know, so I, I think the kid, I don't either. This is a kid who, you know, this is their career, okay? This would be me when I was leaving Seton Hall with a business degree. This would be, you know, me getting a jump start on my career. Nobody would have been pissed off about that. So I don't have a problem with it, but I agree with you, Mike. I thought he handled it poorly. I think his dad getting involved made the situation worse, kind of embarrassed Dana Holgerson, uh, the first-year head coach of Houston last year. Could have been handled better, but it's behind him now. And listen, Miami has a lot of talent specifically on defense it's getting a little bit off topic but quickly for college fans out there the bookend of Gregory Rousseau and Quincy Roche another transfer but on defense transfer from Temple is as good as I've seen in the last five years those two together are going to be absolutely dominant yeah last one thing I'd say in the bowl game nobody cares that Christian McCaffrey didn't play in his bowl game these nope. guys off to millions of dollars and nobody cares that he didn't play a meaningless bowl game nobody would remember if he played in the bowl game if they won or lost or where the bowl game was because it wasn't a college football playoff so I'll leave it at that I'll go on to since we're talking Stanford I'll go right into with Christian McCaffrey we'll go right into KJ Costello uh, he's left Stanford to go to Mississippi State now playing with Mike Leach so uh, an interesting couple of guys to be work, working with. We talked about Shaw in the previous segment, and now we have him working with Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Hey, you know what's fascinating for me is, uh, you know, Mike Leach over the past couple of seasons at Washington State, look what he was able to get out of an Anthony Gordon, a Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was a cast-off from East Carolina. Now he's cashing NFL paychecks with the Jaguars, that's what Mike Leach can do with a quarterback. K.J. Costello is markedly more talented than both of those quarterbacks. Now, it's going to take him some time. The difference between Stanford and a Mike Leach offense is dramatic. And now we haven't had the offseason. It's a discussion for another show. But all of the transitions, transfers, true freshmen, first-year head coaches, first-year offensive coordinators, the time that you thought you were going to have in the offseason, you now have lost. So KJ's going to have a lot to learn. Didn't play for most of last season, Mike, but 29 touchdown passes in 2018. This is the most talented quarterback that Mike Leach has, just purely in terms of arm talent in a very long time. You know, Rich, uh, you brought it up with Christian McCaffrey, Mike, you also. I do wonder this year if you're going to see more players skip this bowl game, especially if the college team is going to end a little earlier. Yep. If you've had a good season and you solidified your draft spot, why would you risk – I mean, forget the injury of COVID. If they're going to have, want to have those arenas full in uh, early January. So I wonder if we're going to see that more this year. I got to tell you, man, I've had to write this name down because I keep wanting to say Patrick Ramsey instead of Peyton Ramsey. <laughs> I don't know why, but I had to write, don't say Patrick over and over again. Uh, Patrick Ramsey, uh, Indiana, uh, or uh, formerly of Indiana, going Northwestern. What do you think? Yeah, just quickly, George, I think you're spot on. I, I think it's going to be an entirely new era of players backing out of bowl games. Could be COVID, could be, could be a whole host of reasons, but that's been the trend for the past couple of years. Mike, you said it too. I think a lot of these bowl games are meaningless. So shame on college football. They they have diluted the bowl system to a point that the kids finally got the message and say, wait a second, yeah. we're mostly here for ESPN ratings and to fill hotel rooms in Shreveport, Louisiana. They're uh, TV shows. Yeah, they're just TV shows. To that, I'm getting ready for for the draft, and I'm not going to risk injury. I have no problem with it. And by the way, and part of it is lineage too. These guys, these kids, finally have advisors that yes. were NFL players. Yes. Christian McCaffrey's dad was an NFL player. Yep. Uh, Nick Bosa's dad was an NFL player. Like, hey, Ohio State, thanks, but I have this stomach injury, and I know we're a good team, but I'm going to check out on the season and get picked second overall. How are you going to criticize somebody for doing that? Mike, they're finally beginning to wield the leverage that they have. Good. And, and again, I have absolutely no problem with it. I'm, I'm not the kind of guy who believes they should be paid per se. I think the scholarship is a lot of that payment. But the NIL that's coming, I think these kids being able to uh, utilize their, their name, their image, their likeness in order to cash out, this is America. I'm a capitalist. I have no problem with it. Quickly, Peyton Ramsey, 
Very accurate quarterback. Thought he did a great job at Indiana last year. Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern is hungry for anything on offense. Yeah. That, that offense last year averaged just over 10 points per game. It was miserable. I think Peyton Ramsey helps. This is a prime example of where the transfer works. He leaves Indiana where he knows he was not going to beat out Michael Penix this year. Now you have Peyton Ramsey at Northwestern. Penix takes over at Indiana. I think everybody wins except a few of those uh, Big Ten defenses. Uh, last guy we'll ask before the break, Chase Bryce. Uh, wasn't going to beat out Trevor Lawrence. Want to get some playing time. He goes from Clemson to Duke. So he stays within the conference. And uh, will he step right in? Duke, obviously, you know, they're better than they used to be. But they still have their struggles at times, putting up points on the board. Yeah, you know what? A um, couple of things come to mind for me for Chase Bryce. Number one, saved the Clemson season two years ago. If you remember, they were on yeah. the ropes against Syracuse. It was Chase Bryce who came off the bench when Trevor Lawrence uh, had his bell rung and and helped, along with Travis Etienne, helped lead Clemson to a come-from-behind home win over Syracuse. So he has been in battles, big battles before. But I like the kid's judgment. You know, it's Duke. I get it. You're not going to win an ACC title, but... If there's one coach at a smaller program that I want to play for if I'm a quarterback, it's David Cutcliffe. I mean, Absolutely. David Cutcliffe does about as good a job as anybody in terms of getting kids ready, not just for college, but for the NFL. So I think Chase Bryce will have a nice, solid finish to his career and get an audition to, to possibly play on Sundays. Yeah, and obviously we have Daniel Jones, a first-round pick of the Giants last year. Uh, coming out of Duke, and he's had players in the past come out of there with an opportunity to make a roster. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be a first-round pick because uh, they played for Cutcliffe. But we've we've certainly I've met him too. He's a really salt of the earth guy, and I think it's a good choice. Look, Bryce is going to get some playing time here, and uh, he'll be off to the races with having a, hopefully a successful season. So, uh, Rich George and I'll come back to close out this hour of FSC. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Football Full Circle. Closing out this hour, just me and George Kurtz for this final one. So, George, a couple pieces of news in the NFL. Trent Williams had a little contract tweak this week. 49ers uh, doing the bare minimum as a goodwill contract gesture to a player who said he wants a new deal but is comfortable waiting. So basically what they did here, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, uh, they did a little bit of restructuring. So he's... They got a tweak, which gets him a little bit more guaranteed money here, George. And so he's a little happier. He's willing to wait to negotiate, as he wasn't willing to wait uh, really for anything related to Washington. He's willing to wait here, perhaps talking about this a little bit later in the summer, early into the season, maybe potentially working out a contract extension. But they do him a solid. They get him a little bit more money. He didn't get paid last year because he sat out the whole year. You know, it also came out that Williams said that, you know, he was going to play for Washington last year if they didn't put him on NFI. You know, <laughs> so I think that's a little tweak there, right? A little, little kick in the uh, kick in the groin there. You know? I don't um, believe that, do you? I don't believe it either. No, yeah. I don't think he's good. I think he's just trying to tweak uh, Washington. Yeah. Uh, I think he was that upset with Bruce Allen, Snyder, and everybody else in that organization uh, that he was uh, – that's what that was about there. Yeah. So uh, I just found it funny for him to say that. For, you know, a little salt in the wound there that, you know, yeah. hey, you could have traded me for another one, two off-seasons ago. Now what'd you get? You know, a little, uh, little stuff like that. Do you think he's an upgrade for San Fran over Staley? Yeah, I think if a guy's that close to retirement, I think he knows he's at the end of his, uh, he's at the end of the road. Um, as good as he was, I think that getting, you know, Trent Williams isn't young, but I think getting Trent Williams with a little bit more juice, a guy that's looking for an extension, is looking to continue his career. I just think you're going to get – I'm not suggesting that you didn't get every last ounce out of Joe Staley's uh, talent, but I think Trent Williams, comparatively, is maybe a little bit better at this point of his career as Joe Staley was in his final season. That makes sense. Not a huge difference, but I would say a slight upgrade. Does that yeah, make sense? I would agree. That's about what I have it as well as far as that Williams might be slightly better. I do worry about him how many games he's going to play. You know, yeah. what, what, kind of, what kind of shape you haven't played in a couple of years? What kind of shape are you in? Have you been working out there in the offseason and everything like that? But I think uh, when he's on the field, yes, I think he's an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, one thing that we did miss uh, in our previous show is Carlos Hyde actually signing with the Seahawks. So there was a little bit of dalliance with Marshawn Lynch. Like maybe he'll come out of retirement and be our third running back. They need a little bit of insurance here because, look, Chris Carson's is their feature back, George. He's been injured a little bit. But the real issue is that Rashad Penny, who's their first-round pick from a couple of years ago, is not healthy at all. There's a thought process that he may start the season on the pup list. It hasn't been determined yet, but that he may. So they definitely needed some depth here. I think this is a good depth signing. A lot of our analytical friends in the fantasy football world do not like Carlos Hyde. Uh, but he had a 1,000-yard season last year. I think he's a better player than the analytical crowd gives him credit for. He doesn't have to be an elite, efficient back, but I think he's a solid piece as a depth back, if nothing else, in Seattle. Do you know when he signed, Mike? Do I know what he signed? When? When? Uh, on May 22nd, I believe it was. Yes, it was. Yeah. About five minutes after we stopped recording our show. <laughs> and I bring yeah. that up because we talked on that show about who Seattle was going to sign, and it was yeah. pretty much Freeman, Hyde, and McCoy were the three names and I, uh, I said I'd rather sign Freeman. I think he's a better back there. I just it was it, it's right. really, it just annoys you. Yeah. It annoys me more when I'm writing when you do that. Then oh now I got to edit the article. Thanks. You know this happened to us years ago. We were waiting on the Sam Bradford sweepstakes. Think about that. How long ago that was? We were waiting on the Sam Bradford sweepstakes. Where's he going to go? Where's he going to get traded to? He's on the block because Philly had him, and now they have Wentz. Who's Sam Bradford going to? We finished a three-hour show five minutes later. Boom, breaking news. Sam Bradford goes traded to the Minnesota Vikings. So uh, I do remember that. Uh, but luckily, Carlos Hyde is not as high profile here. But nonetheless, a good signing for them. I, would you rather have him or Freeman? 
I listen. We played this game. I would have rather had Freeman. I don't mind Hyde. I'm not as down on Hyde as uh, some of our other analytic friends are. Uh, I kind of like. I, he's a solid running back. I think it does tell you that Penny. There's some problems there. You know, I think that's really the first thing I took out of that. I would have rather had Freeman. I think Hyde is probably more durable. I think Freeman is the better back when healthy. You know, so it's that issue there. What do you? Which one would you rather prefer here? And now, listen, Freeman or LaShawn McCoy? It looks like the Eagles are going to sign what's left. Yeah. But honestly, maybe Seattle needed somebody that was healthier. Could which Hyde is. Right, on you got the one. We got one running back who's already down in Penny. Do you want another one? And Freeman. And Carson gets hurt get too. All right. They, Carson they, got a fumbling issue as well. Yeah, they've been dealing with injured backs forever. They had J.D. McKissick. They had um, the guy out of Notre Dame. I'm blanking on him. The pass catching back out of Notre Dame. I'm totally blanking on the name, yes, but not McKissick before that. I'll look it up uh, as we're talking. I'm totally blanking on it right now. But uh, so that's it. Two pieces of news right there. Uh, Dan Graziano of ESPN wrote an article, which is right in my sweet spot and something that we talk about a lot. We often talk about our QB snapshot, our QB carousel articles that we do or segments that we do. In fact, we've dedicated entire shows to it. And Graziano does something that I really often like to do as well, which is determining, as he states it right here, how married all 32 teams are to their starters. And he really did it on a combination of, frankly, quality of play, contract, length of contract, how quickly can you get out of this contract if things go south. And perhaps much to some uh, this fan base's dismay, Jared Goff tops the list of a guy that ain't going anywhere. He signed through 2024. He's done different tiers here. He's got locked-in vets. Clock is ticking. Young guy on a uh, young rookie on a, a starter deal or whatever. Uh, but he's the number one guy is Jared Goff. A four-year, $134 million extension signed just last September, George. That feels like it was two years ago. It's not even a year ago. $57 million guaranteed at signing. So that's okay. But he collected a $21 million roster bonus in March. His $25 million 21, 2021 salary became fully guaranteed. Uh, $2.5 million, wow, $2 million roster bonus became fully guaranteed. And his $15.5 million 2022 roster bonus became fully guaranteed. So they're paying him $73 million in fully guaranteed money over the next three years plus almost certainly his non-guaranteed $10 million in 2022 salary on top of the, 2020, the $25 million signing bonus they gave him last fall. Huh. The absolute soonest it makes sense is to get out in the spring of 2023. They could do it uh, in 2022, but Jared Goff's the quarterback for the Rams for the next three years. That's the bottom line. And you know who he reminds me of? Joe Flacco. Oh, boy. Cashed in after the Super Bowl. I know the Rams didn't win it. Flacco did. But he cashed in after the Super Bowl and then was like, you know, yes, I'm just an average quarterback, but I had one good year. And as a golf, I, mean, I know it's early in his career. He's still a young guy. Maybe he uh, turns it around. But I, you got to think the Rams right now are going, oh, God, what did we do here? Uh, as, as this thing points out, you're really locked in for three more years. And you're paying him a truckload of money here as he just brought out there. It's unfortunate. It's, uh, but it's also why quarterbacks like Dak Prescott got to be very wary about taking the money where you can get it. What if you become the next Garrett, Jared Goff or Joe Flacco? You don't really do much after that one big year. The money, then the money's going to go down here. So that's why you got to be careful and take the money if you don't want to bang, uh, bet on yourself. You want to bet on yourself? Fine. You want to do Kirk Cousins? Fine. But other than that, you got to be very careful with turning down the guaranteed money. Yeah. Next guy on the list is Ryan Tannehill. He just signed. He signed for 2023 four-year, $118 million contract, um, including $62 million fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, the difficult part for him is that, for, for the Titans, is that if Tannehill plays fine this year, they're not going to do anything with him in terms of moving on from him. So the next year becomes locked in. So at a minimum, Ryan Tannehill is getting 91 million bucks over three years. There is a, a path where if Tannehill was terrible this year, the Titans could make a decision to just cut bait and add the 62 million bucks. They'll have a take a huge cap hit in 2021, a dead cap money, or if he's just left on the team to collect the paychecks. But 
that would get them out of the next 30 million. Realistically, this is 91 million bucks for three years, George. Yeah, and there's no reason why the agent put, did it that way because they want to get all the as much upfront money as you possibly can. It's the way to do it. Smart agent, smart the way, smart the way they did it. I mean, once again, it's uh, what the agent gets paid for. It's not so much the money, but also the structure, getting that guaranteed money as soon as possible is what every NFL player wants since the contracts aren't guaranteed. I found the one most interesting, we read number four in Carson Wentz. I was going to bring that up next, yeah. Go for it. Go for and it. It's because, uh, once again, he has the injury history, and now they, drift, they got the jet of the young quarterback, right? So what are they going to do here? And they can get out of it after a couple of years without getting crushed. Look, he just signed this extension in 2019, four-year, $128 million extension, $66.5 million guaranteed at signing. Um, there, it looks like there was a mistake in some calculations here. I'm looking at an edit of the article. I'm not going to go through. had it at eight. Now they're yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. And Philly fans will kill me for this, and I get it. But I have thought that while there is tons of potential there, he played 16 games last year, so that was okay. The injuries subsided. He got a concussion in the playoff game. What are you going to do? Uh, I have thought the hype on him was a bit early. He had the one great year when he tore the ACL, which looked like he was on an MVP pace. I acknowledge that. I remember Derek Carr being on an MVP pace, too. Like and that's the other guy I would compare him to. I think he's better than Carr. I'm not saying that. I'm saying guys that got a bunch of money early before the teams waited to really evaluate him. Frankly, I would throw Goff in there, too. Now, Wentz is the most talented of those guys. But I don't know that Wentz ever gets to an elite status, like, frankly, some of the guys that are younger than him. He's the same age as Teddy Bridgewater. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are several years younger than him. And is he really ever going to get up to that elite level where you're like, you know what? Wentz is the best player in the best quarterback in the NFC or he's the best quarterback in the league I don't know it's a fair question it's a fair question listen there's no guaranteed money after two more years essentially there is 15 million that third year because he'll be on the roster is a 15 million dollar uh, roster bonus on the third year they're assuming he's on the roster in March of 12 21 which he will be but if they feel that you know what it's not worth it anymore we got the young quarterback here we've uh, groomed him well maybe he's played a few games if Wentz got hurt I do wonder if he's maybe not their long-term uh, quarterback here. I think he should be. I think he is a, a good, solid quarterback at the very least. I think he's room for improvement. Very impressed with last year. What he did at the end of that season, playing with a, a nobody wide receiver core and still pulling out enough games to win to get them to the playoffs, extremely impressive. But then he got hurt in the playoff game. and everyone, That's all everyone seems to remember now. He got hurt in the playoff game. He's completed, what, one pass in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so all of these, uh, you know, these are ranked 1 to 32. He went through every team and trying to figure out you know, which one looks the worst and which one are, are the most problematic. You know, as you go through it, you start to look, um, we start to look down the road. You see somebody like Matt Stafford, and you wonder if he's going to be there long-term in Detroit. So that's all we have time for on this edition of FFC. Thanks for watching. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., 
and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.